This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome to the War Room. It's not Stephen K. Bannon. It's Natalie Winters hosting today's episode of War Room Battleground. But don't go anywhere. We have a very packed show for you, starting off with Congressman Wesley Hunt talking about the Chinese Communist Party and what they're doing to undermine our food security and, frankly, our national security here. We're traveling down to the border, then down to the FBI, uh, and then actually we'll be ending with Joe Kent talking about what the Biden regime wants to do, really turn our military into not the strategic, wonderful fighting force that it should be, something more focused on DEI and CRT and all of those wonderful words that no one really knows what they actually mean. You know, we say a lot here on the war that the supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting, of course, quoting Sun Tzu. That's one of the leading axioms that the Chinese military, the People's Liberation Army follows. But it's really crazy when their strategies play out so clearly in front of our eyes, and yet Washington so crippled, of course, by Chinese Communist Party compromise, frankly, it's all by design, really can actually fight back against the Chinese Communist Party's forms of unconventional and unrestricted warfare. That's something this show has been calling attention to really since its inception, really since the war room impeachment days. So joining me, there's a rare anomaly in Washington, someone who actually wants to fight back against what the Chinese Communist Party is doing that's, of course, none other than Congressman Wesley Hunt from Texas, a good friend of the show, uh, who really has been fighting to push back against what the Chinese Communist Party has been wanting to do with our farmland. So, Congressman, if we have you, which I think we do, uh, if you could tell the audience about what you've been doing to push back, particularly against the CCP's incursion uh, into American farmland. The Chinese have been plotting to take down the United States for decades, and this is just one layer of that plot. They have increased the purchase of farmland, particularly around our military bases, 1,000% in the last decade. Now, that should be absolutely terrifying to any American that's paying attention. The CCP has been spying on us for at least the last 40 years, and we know this because they are flying spy balloons over our country with impunity. They are spying on our children through TikTok. A couple of years ago, when President Trump was president, in my hometown of Houston, Texas, President Trump shut down the Chinese consulate because they were stealing our intellectual property. So here's what I say. Would the Chinese Communist Party allow Americans to enter their country and buy their farmland around their military bases? And I would say to that, absolutely not. So why would we allow them to do that to us? It is time for us to get serious about securing our border, securing our nation, securing our farmland, because again, Food security is national security, which turns into international security. And we can no longer usurp our power to the Chinese Communist Party. Seems like one of these common sense issues, I'd also argue that establishing a select committee 
uh, on Chinese Communist Party infiltration would also be an issue that would enjoy really universal bipartisan support. But of course, dozens, I think over five dozen Democrats voted against establishing that committee. I'd argue those should be the first people we should be investigating. But I'll digress on that point. But I'm just I'm just curious if you could sort of drill down because there's a lot of talk about food security being national security and how I think that sort of issue has become an interesting, I would argue, theater of war that both the Chinese Communist Party, but also some of their globalist counterparts in the World Economic Forum, people who sort of want to push that that area of really food and farming to, to push a certain social agenda. So when it comes specifically to the CCP and their intentions behind buying American farmland, is it twofold? Do you think it has to do with threatening America's food security? And do you also think that it has to do with actually wanting to be able to spy on military bases that are proximal uh, to the plots of land that they're purchasing? Yeah, the, the, the simple answer to that is yes. And if we are a sovereign nation that has sovereign borders, you could imagine the importance of being able to feed our own population and also being able to import and export goods, especially in the form of food. And if the Chinese Communist Party can control that in our country, then they could begin to control our economy even more so than they already do. Apparently right now, they're at about a, they're at about a 400 thousand acres that they own in our country. Now, they're trying to double that number over the course of the next few years. What I'm saying is we have got to stop that and stop that as soon as possible. But you're right. This should be a bipartisan issue. And unfortunately, it's not. I've been told that by 2035, we could be at war with China. And what I would love to do is do everything in our power to prevent that. But the way to prevent that is to lead from a position of strength. Right now, China does not fear us. They're looking at the weakest president that we have had since Jimmy Carter, and they are like sharks with chum in the water. And they are looking for every single opportunity to usurp our power for the future. Again, as I said earlier, these people think in terms of dynasties. We think in terms of every four-year increments. And so when there's an opportunity where they could sense weakness in our system, that's when they seize on this. That's when Vladimir Putin seizes on this. That's when Xi Jinping seizes on this. This is when Iran pushes to have yet another nuclear weapon. We are seeing this precipitate throughout the entire world, and that's because the Biden administration's weak policies. China is just the tip of the iceberg. We have got to take control of our sovereign nation, We've got to take control over our land and our own country. We cannot allow our food security and our international security be, to be controlled by the hands of the CCP. And that's why I am fighting tirelessly in the halls of Congress to ensure that we do just that. I'm a military guy by trade. I'm a West Point graduate by trade. And I'm here to tell you that if we don't fight back against some of these very fundamental issues, like the sovereignty of our own nation, then we're not going to have a nation in the future to come home to. Well, thank you for your service, Congressman. And I think it's very easy to make the case that we frankly are at war with China currently. It just hasn't turned kinetic yet, I think, by 2035, right? It's easy to to sort of make the case that they've already infiltrated us really to a a point beyond comprehension and and beyond belief. Uh, But when it comes to to pushing back, obviously, I'm sure you're working on, on sponsoring or drafting legislation Um, To push back against this, I know we've seen similar legislative efforts come out of some state houses, certain governors pushing similar legislation. But before you you sort of drill down on what exactly you're doing on the Hill to to really codify this sentiment into legislation, I'm just curious, you know, what sort of pushback have you been seeing all the way up from the Biden White House, all the way down 
to their lackeys on, on Capitol Hill. In other words, it should be a bipartisan issue, but is there sort of a, a part or a component or a cohort of, frankly, both parties, Democrats and Republicans, who have been so compromised by the Chinese Communist Party or have bought into the narrative that they're more of an ally or a competitor as opposed to an existential threat um, who just can't support this issue? What What is sort of the, the, uh, the sentiments on the Hill about this issue? I want you to look no further than the handling of the southern border by the Biden administration. Now, one thing that we do know is that we've seen enough fentanyl pour into this country to kill every single American six times. Where is fentanyl made? In China. And who is buying the fentanyl? The cartel. And then who is funneling it into our country to kill our fellow Americans? The cartels through China. And the Chinese Communist Party knows exactly what they are doing. And we have a Biden administration that's complicit in all of this. We've seen 6.3 million people enter our country illegally. I just gave you the fentanyl number. And we don't need to control our own borders because we've given that control to the cartel. So what does that tell you about an administration that doesn't want to protect our sovereign border? I was in a hearing today and I was talking about how we are allowing migrants to live in very plush tents in New York City. And that's the that's the original carrot that people want to get to this country because I know they know that they're going to be treated better than even everyday Americans. So when you have an administration that's willing to be complicit in plots like this, there's no wonder why the Chinese Communist Party believes that they can buy hundreds of thousands of farmlands around our military bases with impunity. And let me tell you something, that's not coming from the Republican Party. That is coming strictly from the Democrat Party. You are correct. This should not be a partisan issue. This should be an America first issue, meaning that we put our priorities first. The American taxpayer, the safety of the American should always be first. And this is an administration that doesn't want to see that. In fact, they are putting us last. Well, when you say the words Biden and complicit, I think the number one issue that comes to mind is, of course, the southern border. As you mentioned, you gave a wonderful speech. There was a wonderful hearing in the Judiciary Committee today about Biden's border crisis. I was about to say his botched withdrawal, but that was yesterday. We had uh, one of your colleagues on talking about how the Biden regime also failed miserably in Afghanistan. But I I think it sort of brings me to to what I want to ask you about, which is there are a lot of people who are quick to say that the Biden regime is just incompetent, and that's why we keep seeing these issues happening, whether it's our border, whether it's the border between Ukraine and Russia, or whether it's the border in Afghanistan. But when lightning kind of hits the same place twice, three, four, five, six, seven times, it almost makes you think that there's something else going on. So I think why your speech today was so wonderful and so insightful is because you really laid out the carrots, in other words, the way that the Biden regime is enticing and frankly inviting um, this border surge, this border crisis uh, from really day one of their administration. So before I let you go, if you just want to sort of walk through, in your in your opinion, if you think that what's going on at the southern border, if it is intentional on the hands of the Biden regime, And if so, how exactly they're going about enticing these massive uh, waves, really tidal waves uh, of migrants from countries, including China? 
This morning, I heard the story of a mother that lost her daughter. She was strangled to death by a gang member that came across the border and murdered her daughter. And it was an absolutely terrifying thing. And being the father of two little girls, I can't imagine how Miss Nobles feels. And my heart certainly goes out to her and her family because we, as a federal government, failed them. The number one role of the federal government is to keep our citizens safe. That's what I risk my life for as an Apache pilot in the Army. That's what thousands of brave men and women do every single day, is to keep our nation a sovereign nation. And so when you are looking at an administration that has chosen to do absolutely nothing about the southern border, but to continue to allow criminals enter our country with impunity, we have allowed the cartels to run our border with impunity, and yet they continue to allow this to happen. Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris was deemed to be our border czar a long time ago, and this woman hasn't even gone down to visit the border. Mayorkas needs to be impeached. We know all these things because that's a great derelict of duty when your number one role is to keep citizens safe, and you don't do that. It's their inaction that's shown so much to me. And you're right, the word complicit comes to mind. The, the idea that they wanna keep us safe, they don't wanna keep us safe. That's what comes to my mind. And I wonder why. What are you gonna get from having six million people enter our country illegally? That's the equivalent to seven or eight congressional districts. Why would you allow this to happen in our country? And that's because you wanna turn this into a socialist nation. And there are congressmen and women like me that are standing up. We're saying absolutely not on our watch. And look, we have two more years of this. Joe Biden's administration is not going to stop, but it's up to us in Congress to show the American people, look, if you put us in charge, you let us have the House, you let us have the Senate, you put us in charge of the presidency, here's what we can do to protect our citizens and get this country back to the way it was when President Trump was our president, particularly before the pandemic. That's what we have to fight tirelessly for. It's a game of inches and we are in it for the long haul. The Biden regime is certainly a clown show, but that might be too nice or to, to clown. You're very kind. Uh, You're very kind. <laughs> <laughs> Congressman, thank you so much for joining us. It really is an honor to have you on. If people want to follow you on social media and support you and your work, where can they go? Please go to WesleyForTexas.com. That's WesleyForTexas.com. All my handles are there. And again, love being on the show. Please give Steve my best. Please, anytime, let me know. God bless you. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on, sir. Well, moving on along down the southern border and all the craziness that's going on there, you know, it's not just that these illegal aliens are being met and allowed to enter this country with impunity. They're actually getting five-star accommodations and flat-screen TVs and Xboxes and beds and three meals a day and phones, and the list goes on. They're almost as well-funded as the Ukrainian military, basically any country except the United States seems to be number one on the priority list of the Biden regime. Do you know that half of the hotel rooms in New York City right now are presently being occupied by illegal aliens? Can't even fathom these numbers, it's so crazy. But joining me to discuss this and really drill down into the details, not just the scare tactics, as I'm sure the Democrats would say, is Wade Miller from the wonderful and one of my personal favorites, the Center for Renewing America. Seems like War Room likes to have a lot of you guys on. 
because you guys do such great work, but I'd love to get your thoughts. I saw this story come across actually my Twitter feed because you guys tweeted it out. Uh, but the Biden regime is basically, I mean, they're always playing into the hands of the cartels and human traffickers and human smugglers, but actually from a legislative point of view, they are now ending DNA testing of migrant children at the border, which is really the key way to stop human trafficking by the cartels. They're now enacting that policy amidst the end of Title 42 to make the border get even crazier if that was even possible. That's right, and, and thanks for having me on. So when a, a pilot program was run on this uh, testing procedure, they detected that upwards of 19% of children were with adults who they didn't belong to, or at least were not genetically related to them. Now, even if we're very conservative here and say half of those uh, were from parent, you know, uh, non-biological parents and legal uh, guardians, that's still a huge number of children that are being trafficked into this country. And so by uh, getting rid of this pilot program, you're essentially signaling to the cartels that you know it's open season on child trafficking. And let's be clear here. The Biden administration is doing this on purpose. They are purposely taking away an enforcement tool from agents on the ground, on the border, because this is the result they want. They want Everything that is happening on, on the border right now is because the Biden administration is either okay with it or actively wants it. No, I, I think the intentionality point is key because when, you know, we sit back and say, oh my God, I can't believe the Biden regime is doing this. But that's, that's not the correct response because they've been planning and plotting this for an extremely long time. I'd argue it goes back decades. But when it comes to the motivations for why they're doing this, I think it's, it's a given that it's all intentional. Um, you guys obviously do a lot of work in drilling down into the semantics, the details of, of really the why and the how. But what is is the ultimate push? You know, I, I remember I used to read, it seemed like a lot of the reasons that they were pushing for mass migration had to do with solidifying a democratic electorate. They loved the free votes. But it seems like there's something sort of more sinister. I think there's a more of a nuanced interpretation into why they're inviting this, like I said, tidal wave of illegal immigrants. It, it seems like it's part of a larger plot to really destroy the fabric of America and American culture um, by, like I said, a, a large scale invasion of military age, predominantly, you know, young men. Uh, but from, from your perspective and the wonderful work that you have done at the Center for Renewing America, why, why do you think the Biden regime is so boldly in support of open borders? Sure. So there's a lot of different motivations here, but if, if you want to really drill into some of the underlying ideologies at play here, it can go back you know, decades, if not generations. If you look at the open society work that has really animated a lot of what the left has done as they've moved through to uh, you know, capture institutions in the United States, it's really been aimed at the idea of you know, having a strong national unity and, and being patriotic. And so I, I think at the, uh, you know, they've wanted to destroy that for a long time. That's very clear also from the Frankfurt School uh, of academic, uh, you know, lineage there where they tried to institute neo-Marxist ideology throughout America because they understood that they couldn't take down the United States and our culture through a class-based uh, uh, fight. So they wanted to go with an uh, identity-based uh, neo-Marxist perspective. And so those two contributed heavily to what we're seeing now, which is where the left buys into a lot of this idea of multiculturalism, 
But it's not just multiculturalism in, in the nicest sense that you could possibly define it. it. It's methodical in that it's meant to really supplant and destroy the underlying culture. Under a, a just and, and, and righteous immigration system, you can have people come here, but they go through a process. One, they come here for the right reasons. Two, it needs to be for the betterment of the United States, as your previous uh, you know, uh, 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 caller or, or person uh, you know, mentioned that everything that we do needs to be about America first. Our tax dollars need to be made to prioritize us as Americans and, and taxpayers and those who live here legally. So we can have people come here if it's in the best interest of the United States, if they believe in the ideals, but the left doesn't want that. They want people to come here. They're not going through naturalization processes. They're not taking courses on what it means to be America. They're going into schools that are then teaching them to hate America and that America is evil. This is intentional, you know, and, and I'm not, I can't speak absolutely for every single Democrat, you know, on the planet, but certainly a huge proportion of the elitist uh, liberal progressive Democrat coalition here that's their underlying motivation. They want to destroy American culture by bringing anyone on, on, on the planet here in large numbers with their own cultures to supplant ours. And it's not a race thing. It's not a faith thing. It's not a sex-based thing. It's just bringing people here who do not agree with the underlying culture. And that animates a lot of it. And look, they also know that downstream from this will be people who tend to vote for them because a lot of the people who come here illegally, unlike people who, who qualify to come here legally, are going to qualify for a lot of public benefits. And why would you want to vote against uh, Santa Claus uh, in elections when that's where your bread and butter is? That's who's taking care of you through all sorts of programs and, and uh, uh, benefits. You know, it's not, you know, the left is going to say that everything that I just said is xenophobic and racist. It's not racist. It's not xenophobic. I'm just calling out what the left is doing. We're fine with people coming here who want to love America and become a part of our society and uplift our culture and our principles. But we're not okay with people coming here that want to destroy America. And the Democrats know that. And that's what they're actually fomenting and, and, and uplifting right now. I think there's no shortage of issues that Republicans love to show how spineless they can be on. I think immigration might just take the cake, legal and illegal. Unfortunately, we know there's a huge corporatist faction within the Republican Party who loves their cheap labor, at least for their, don their donors. Um, but speaking about how Republicans can actually push back from the legislative side of things, um, it seems like the Texas House having some interesting stuff, not almost as crazy as what's going on on the southern border, uh, not quite, uh, but go on in terms of their efforts to push back against what's unfolding on their state's borders. If you want to walk us through what's going on there. Sure. So I get a little bit tired of Republicans just pointing at Joe Biden and saying the border is all his fault. It is primarily his fault. And I, and I agree wholeheartedly when people come on here and blame him and attack him for uh, you know, supporting open borders. But Republicans have the ability, especially in states that they control, to secure the border. So Texas can secure their border right now. They can invoke Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, and do it themselves. They can lock down sections of border and remove people back across the border, specifically because President Biden is not upholding Article 4, Section 4. This doesn't violate federal immigration law. It doesn't violate uh, Arizona v. U.S. because this is a constitutional authority. It is not inferior to uh, 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 federal statutes. It gets you outside of the immigration law silo and firmly in a constitutional position. And we actually had a bill in Texas, HB 20, that had language to this effect to kind of affirm and support the governor's ability to do this. And the speaker there, Dade Phelan, 
uh, killed the bill. He sabotaged it after, you know, essentially signaling that it was going to pass, making it a speaker priority, and then at the last minute killing it. And then, of course, a week later, he shows up on the Texas floor so drunk he can barely speak. This is the kind of clown show that is going on in Texas. We need leadership there. And, you know, to his credit, the attorney general of Texas, Ken Paxton, just today called on the speaker of the Texas House, a Republican, to resign for his conduct. And, and I think that that's the right play call here. Uh, we need people in Texas who will lead and will actively support Governor Abbott should he choose to use this constitutional power, and he should, and then therefore move forward, stop the invasion, and show D.C. how it can be done. Right now, we're getting kind of milk-warm responses, a couple of spots here on the border done, a couple of spots here, uh, you know, down, you know, another section of the border. We need large sections of the border locked down. We need people, when they come across illegally, turned right back around, put right back across the river and instructed to go to a legal port of entry. Now, look, if the, the feds may decide to process them there and we can uh, uh, take a look at responses as, as, you know, as it may. And I know that the, the U.S. House, the congressional delegation just passed a, a bill that would firm up a lot of the federal immigration and, and border security statutes. But states can do this. They can secure their borders. They have this constitutional power. The courts have, uh, have already kind of signaled that these are non-justiciable issues. So if the state of Texas were to do this, the courts would likely, if they're relying on precedent, say that this is a political question. We don't get to define how this is used. This is up to the states and we'll let voters decide. Governor Abbott can do this. He can do it tomorrow. The Texas House and the Texas Senate, led by uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick on the Senate side, and the Attorney General Ken Paxton should all affirm this, and they should call on Governor Abbott to do it today. Wade, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to stay up to date with what you're working on and what the center's doing, where can they find you guys? Sure. So we're on all of the social media platforms, True Social, Twitter, uh, our, our website is americarenewing.com. That's americarenewing.com. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Wade Miller underscore USMC. Thank you so much, Wade. Thanks for having me on. Of course, the Center for Renewing America truly does fantastic work. But speaking of two more gentlemen who do fantastic work, we're going to be having Mike Davis and Joe Kent, of course, regulars and stars of the show joining us after the break, but until we go to the break, I just want to let you know about a story I broke not too long ago on warroom.org that might just make your head blow up. Believe it or not, less than four weeks before Title 42 was set to expire here in the United States when the U.S. Border Patrol needed really all hands, all arms, all everything on deck, and Biden said, well, I can't do anything. Title 42 is going to expire. Do you know what his administration was doing? Or sorry, his regime? They were giving millions of taxpayer dollars to the Ukraine Border Patrol, the Ukraine State Border Services. Like I said, less than four weeks before Title 42 was set to expire here. It's not just intentional what they're doing. They're laughing at you because they think they can get away with it. But they can't. So you guys, we'll be right back. President Trump recently issued a warning from his home at Mar-a-Lago. And I want to quote this. Our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be the greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. End quote. He did that in the interview that I had with him a couple weeks ago at his home. Now, there are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, and our insurmountable national debt. 
The fact is there's one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and political and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times. That would be gold. Gold has been a hedge against chaos from time immemorial. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k, maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Let me repeat that. You don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just text Bannon to 989898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the entire process. Let me repeat that. Birch Gold professionals will hold your hand through this entire process. Now think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. It always has been. How much more time does the dollar actually have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text Bannon to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Text again, Bannon, to 989898. Remember, the best part is you don't pay a penny out of pocket to get this information and start the process. Do it today. Take action. Science. That's what the doctor called many of those fruit and vegetable supplements. Junk science because they use extracts of common produce department fruits and vegetables with few health benefits. Now look, I take Field of Greens because it's the whole organic fruit and vegetable, not a watered-down supplement, and it's backed by a better health promise. Each ingredient in Field of Greens was scientifically chosen to support vital organs like heart, lungs, and kidney health. Others support my immune system, blood pressure, metabolism, and healthy weight loss. I don't eat as healthy as I should. I got that. I know it. I own it. That's why I take Field of Greens. Like me, you'll probably look and feel healthier fast and have way more energy. And I mean way more energy. But your best proof will be at your next checkout checkup when your doctor says, hey, whatever you're doing, it's working. Keep it up. Let me get you started with 15% off. Visit fieldofgreens.com. That's fieldofgreens.com. And use promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com. Take action, action, action. Do that today. In my younger days, I was a naval officer on a destroyer. In fact, I was the A-gang officer in charge of all the engineering systems that were not main propulsion. And one of those was air purification. And I can tell you, the standards of the United States Navy are second to none. If all home air purifiers are the same, why did the U.S. Department of Defense select EnviroCleanse to protect and purify the air on board our Navy ships? Because of EnviroCleanse, advanced mineral technology goes beyond ordinary HEPA filters to destroy airborne illness causing cold and flu viruses, including covid EnviroCleanse is the new science in air purification, and now you can order one for your home. This is how you help stop colds and flus from taking your whole family down. This is how you destroy allergy-inflaming toxins and mold from the air your family breathes. In fact, this hospital-grade technology is so powerful that it promises far fewer colds and allergies and better sleep. 
Visit ekpure.com. That's ekpure.com and use the code STEVE for 10% off your EnviroCleanse home purification unit. You also receive a free air quality monitor plus fast free shipping. That's $150 savings right there. That's ekpure.com, code Steve. ekpure.com, code Steve. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. I started off this show quoting Sun Tzu, saying that the supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. Now, usually when I say that, it's in the context of the Chinese Communist Party and their vast influence and infiltration efforts here in the United States. But that statement, that axiom, might just be applicable frankly, to enemies within the Biden regime and what they want to do with America's military. Joining me to discuss rather preposterous plans that really can't be explained by any logical angle of attack is Joe Kent, a dear friend of the show. Thank you for joining us, Joe. So if I if I get this correctly, and I, I read a lot of crazy stories, but this might, uh, might take the cake for today. Um, While the Biden regime wants to fund every woke CRT, DEI, it's hard to keep track of all the the acronyms, uh, initiative in the military and abroad that they can find, it seems like they quite literally want to defund the military, our actual fighting forces. Can you walk us through what they want to do? Yeah, I, I saw this story today from uh, Defense One that talked about how they want to reduce the money spent on our special operations forces by somewhere between 10 to 30 percent, which is absolutely ridiculous because our special operations forces, Green Berets, Navy SEALs, psychological operations, intelligence specialists, they've been at the tip of the spear of not just the global war on terror, but basically everything that's happening abroad. And they're a very small force in comparison to the rest of the conventional military. And look, at the end of the day, our military has the money to fund drag queen story hour on our military bases. They have the money to finance a literal drag queen as the spokesperson for the Navy, but they're going to go after our combat capability. Again, this isn't just the Biden regime blundering through, you know, some other disaster. This is very, very deliberate that they're going after the special operations forces. I'd like to call people's attention to the fact that uh, the special operations forces, it's the first command that actually got a uh, diversity, equity and inclusion uh, commissar put in right when the Biden regime first took power to start targeting and demoralizing our warfighters specifically. There's been a lot of talk about prioritization of payments with the debt ceiling, right? Steve always says that. And I think that's sort of an interesting parallel to draw here because it seems that the Biden regime has prioritized the payments of, like you said, these woke DEI driven commissars and not even just funding drag queen story hours on our basis, but funding them abroad in all of these other countries. Uh, I'm just curious, you laid out in this tweet what you would do, how to push back, and I, I agree, as I, th- I think a lot of the war room policy would. Um, but what do you think in terms of the military's and their strategic objectives, what they should be prioritizing in terms of funding, obviously amidst this whole discussion with the debt ceiling, when we're looking for corners to cut and places to limit and trim spending, I don't necessarily know if the special operations forces should be where we start. Maybe the Biden regime would beg to differ. And then again, their priority seems to be destroying America from within. So that makes sense. Um, but in your in your opinion, 
how would you counter this if there is some funding that needs to be cut? What should be the path of the Biden regime in a perfect America first world uh, that they should take? Yeah, especially when we're talking about defense funding, I think the great place to start is foreign aid. I mean, in the last fiscal year, we gave $55 billion in foreign aid to countries, many of which, quite frankly, hate us. But then there's also the $170 billion, which is just an estimate that the numbers seem to change all the time, $170 billion that we've given to this war in Ukraine, which is a strategic disaster, as we talk about quite frequently here on The War Room. But this idea that we're running out of money, it, it's absolutely absurd. I mean, you guys hit it all the time. We have plenty of cash coming in. We have enough money for the essential things. For Biden to go and say, well, now, if you guys want to mess with the budget, we have plenty of money for all these foreign adventures abroad, but we're going to need to cut our special operations forces. So we're going to stay spread thin throughout the world, providing aid to all these different countries, but we're going to shortchange our war fighters. Unless you are trying to, to deliberately destroy our country and our readiness, there's there's no other there's no better way to do it. So I really think you just start with foreign aid at the, at the beginning of all these discussions. We give so much money to all these different countries. You know, I was looking at Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren talking about how the uh, Republicans won't touch defense spending, but we still don't have Medicare for everybody. Look. Hey, all the money that these guys want for these great progressive uh, projects, it all got sent overseas to Ukraine. I mean, can you just imagine what would happen if our political elite in Washington, D.C., if their starting premise was to put the American people first with the nearly $5 trillion we take in every year in taxes? It's absolutely ridiculous. The American people should just be outraged at the games that are being played right now. And the fact that our ruling class talks to us like we're a bunch of idiots, like we don't know what's going on right now. I want to drill down on the deliberate nature of this, because I think that's sort of really the, the running thread, the, the shared theme, whether it's immigration, Ukraine, the military, any of the policies that we see the Biden regime pushing. But specifically when it comes to the military and you try to make sense of what's going on in Ukraine, I'm a, a, a hardcore student of Sun Tzu. I've read so much of, of his work, obviously, because the Chinese Communist Party abides by it. And it's important to, of course, know thy enemy. But nowhere in any of his writings is there anything about if you want to strengthen your country, you should give trillions of dollars to a Eastern European country to help them fight a war that they can't win. By the way, the country is also notoriously rife with money laundering and corruption. And even if they do win, it doesn't actually impact us. I've never heard that strategy play out well for anyone. Um, but you obviously have amazing geopolitical understandings, the nuances you are on the ground, you, you get this issue. And I think your viewpoint, your vantage point aligns with that of Steve's, my own, the war room policy. Before I let you go, since it's been some time, I think, since you've been on the show, how do you make sense of what's going on in Ukraine? What's your theory of the case in terms of Joe Biden and, and his cronies prioritizing Ukraine over really any issue, any really any American? I mean, first and foremost, look, they're putting other countries first. And I think that's what everyone should be outraged. You don't need to have a deep understanding of the world international relations to understand that our border is wide open. We have uh, fentanyl killing thousands of Americans every year. And we've prioritized this conflict that is thousands of miles away. On a much bigger scale, look, this is the elites. This is the party of Davos, the uh, permanent ruling class in Washington, D.C. They need this war in order to not just fund the military industrial complex, not just to run 
their money laundering, which is you know very profitable for them. But also, really, they need Russia to be the bad the bad boogeyman. They they throw this military at that they prop NATO up. They continue to expand in NATO because this allows them to distract from the main enemy, which is the Chinese Communist Party. Because if you get at the heart of the Chinese Communist Party, you have to go after Wall Street. You have to go after how compromised our elite are. So it's much better for us to remain distracted with Russia. And don't get me wrong, Putin's a bad guy, but Russia is just not that big of a threat. But in doing this with this horrible strategy, especially throwing the sanctions package at, at Russia that we did, we, we've really just played right in the Chinese Communist Party's hands. We've combined this economy. You guys cover it every day, the economies of Russia and China. And now we have OPEC joining in, in league with the Chinese Communist Party, consolidating the BRICS against us, really to take down our, our status as a prime reserve currency holder. So I, I think the Biden regime is driving us absolutely off of a cliff right now. And these people have already shown us that they will stop at nothing to continue this war. I mean, we think we have what, I think 50,000 dead just in Bakhmut alone of, of Ukrainians. I mean, this is going to keep going on until we actually get tough and we defund it. We need people in Congress right now to demand that our elected officials actually have some accountability and call for a war powers resolution and make every single representative put their name on the dotted line. And the American people need to demand an absolute end to this before we hit World War III potentially, because Putin will not lose in Ukraine. I don't say that because I, I want Putin to win. I say that because the, the uh, sovereignty of their border is in their, national, their vital national security interest. It is an existential threat to Russia. So the more that we push NATO, the more that we continue to attempt to bleed Russia out via Ukraine, the closer we move to World War III or the Chinese Communist Party taking down our status as a prime reserve currency holder. So there's, there's no gain for the U.S. here. There's only a gain for our permanent political class. Certainly easy for the Biden regime to play into the hands of the Chinese Communist Party when that's the same hand that's funding Hunter Biden. I know the old saying goes, don't bite the hand that feeds you. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to stay up to date with what you're working on and how things are going on your side of the country, where can people follow you and support you? Yep, please go to JoeKentForCongress.com. If anybody can give any amount, $5, $10, $15 per month, that helps me uh, gain the momentum to take down the Democrat. This is the most flippable seat in 2024. JoeKentForCongress.com is the place for that. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. Thank you so much for joining us, Joe. Best of luck. I'm sure we will see you soon. Thank you. Take care. Awesome. Well, speaking of taking Democrats down... That's what the FBI should be doing when you have evidence of foreign collusion and bribery and private email servers. But I guess if you have a Democrat after your name or if you're part of the established Republican class, you don't get that same treatment. You actually get the FBI to serve as your own personal Praetorian guard. Seems nice. This show knows a little bit about political persecution and the, weapon, the weaponized federal government at the hands of the FBI and DOJ. Hillary Clinton knows nothing about that. You guys probably saw today on Twitter. She was worried that Florida has now become a state that is not nice to multi-million dollar corporations. Shows you where her priorities lie and always have lied. Joining me to discuss really some groundbreaking revelations about what the FBI has been doing or frankly hasn't been doing when it comes to the notorious Clinton family is a good friend of the show, Mike Davis who put out, if I may say so myself, a pretty fire press release from the Article 3 project today, talking about what we know the FBI really was a dereliction of duty, but the intentionality behind that 
um, when it came to running cover for the Clinton family. Meanwhile, of course, really indicting, at least in the court of public opinion, the Trump family for bogus ties to Russia. Mike, if we have you down the line, I think we do. If you could walk us through what we now know for certain the FBI did or frankly didn't do when it came to the Clinton family. Yeah, thank you, Natalie. The FBI knew that then Secretary of State had an illegal home server with America's most classified secrets when she was the Secretary of State. The FBI also knew that this was almost certainly hacked by America's uh, worst enemies. The FBI also knew that this home server contained damning evidence of the Clinton Foundation's illegal pay-for-play bribery scheme with foreign governments. And the FBI also knew that Hillary Clinton obstructed, just, obstructed justice when she destroyed this home server in, in the face of a congressional subpoena, subpoena. So let's look at what did the FBI do? How did they respond to this? Well, we just found out from the New York Times yesterday that the FBI returned or, or destroyed the remaining evidence to Hillary Clinton. And we also know that the FBI colluded in 2016 with Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign, along with President Obama, Vice President Biden, uh, the, the Biden, or the, excuse me, the Obama Attorney General, the Obama CIA Director, and others to concoct the baseless Russian collusion hoax against President Trump in July of 20, 2016 to distract from Hillary Clinton's own troubles. And we know that this led to the bogus crossfire hurricane investigation against President Trump that hobbled him during the first three years of his, of his presidency. And look, I mean, they did the same thing. Not only did they interfere in the 2016 election, they also interfered in the 2020 election by burying evidence that the Bidens were corruptly taking millions of dollars from Chinese, Ukrainian, and, and Romanian oligarchs. And I, we also know from my former boss, Chuck Grassley, that the FBI has evidence that then-Vice President took a foreign bribe and changed American policy, and the FBI buried this through 2020 and even through today. They're still burying this. They're, they're still hiding this evidence. So we have 2016 the FBI interfered with, 2020 the FBI interfered with, and they're interfering in 2024 by ordering this unprecedented, unlawful, unnecessary home raid on the office of former president and Mar-a-Lago back in August. And the real reason they did this, as we've discussed repeatedly on the show, Natalie, is because the FBI was trying to get back President Trump's declassified copy of the Crossfire Hurricane records that he declassified via presidential memo the day before he left office and President Biden never made them public. You know, you have Jim Jordan speaking on Sunday with Maria Bartiromo, actually threatening FBI their funding and reaction rather in response to the Durham report. And of course, their continued stonewalling of that FD 1023 form detailing that pay for play scheme. You've obviously always held congressional Republicans' feet to the fire. You've been doing it for quite some time now, and we've seen pretty good results on that end. What do you think congressional Republicans, specifically leadership, needs to do to actually turn this whole thing around, actually get some real accountability, if at this point it's even possible? Well, I mean, as you know, Natalie, I've been a vocal critic for a long time of Speaker McCarthy and House Judiciary Committee Jim Jordan 
on the big tech fight, but I have become a convert and supporters of them in these recent oversight fight, fights, particularly with Jim Jordan uh, showing some backbone and going after Alvin Bragg up in New York for Alvin Bragg's bogus indictment of President Trump. So what I would say that Comer and Jordan and McCarthy need to do is they need to issue subpoenas for every single bad actor involved. For James Comey, the former FBI director, for Andrew McCabe, the former FBI deputy director, Peter Strzok, the former FBI senior intel official, uh, uh, Obama, Biden, the, the AG, all these people who were involved with this need to get subpoenas. They need to issue subpoenas for documents. They need to issue subpoenas for depositions, and then they need to issue subpoenas for public hearings. They need to be brought before the American people and make them explain to the American people what they knew and when they know, knew it, what they did and why. And there needs to be political accountability here. I don't think they can raise the the the, uh, the, the Fifth Amendment saying that they can't, they don't want to incriminate themselves because I, I think they're beyond the statute of limitations here. So they have no reason they can't come testify. They need to issue subpoenas and get these people before Congress immediately and get their documents before that. Specifically on the FD 1023 form, right? This is again, the whistleblower document that details the uh, the pay for play scheme. You know, it seems like the FBI is refusing to give that over. I think we now have a second whistleblower coming from the IRS who's fearful of retaliation from the Biden regime for doing what they should do, blowing the whistle about how the DOJ is running cover for Hunter Biden. You, of course, had Comer saying that basically 90% of their whistleblowers are either in jail, uh, caught in court proceedings, or missing in some cases. It really seems like the Praetorian Guard is, you know, out in full force, in full effect. Uh, from a legal standpoint, you know, do you think congressional Republicans, I, I know you say you're a convert, but... On those fronts, right on uh, specifically on the whistleblower, are they are they doing enough? Where do we stand with that? And and using your brilliant legal mind, you know, how would you get the FBI to comply? How would you actually get to see and get our hands on that document? Well, I would just say that this is a red line, and Chris Ray has to comply with the subpoena. And if he doesn't comply with the subpoena, then uh, House Republicans need to hold him in contempt of Congress and they need to cut off his funding and they need to make it very painful until he complies with the subpoena. I worked for Chuck Grassley two times, once when I graduated from college and once for the first two years of the Trump administration, like 18 years later. And I'll tell you what, Chuck Grassley has been the king of oversight and the great protector of whistleblowers for 40 plus years in Congress. And he knows this document exists he never overplays his hands. Uh, when he says something is true, it's true. So I guarantee you that this document exists. I guarantee you that this document evidences that then Vice President Joe Biden took a foreign bribe. And I guarantee you that this document shows that then Vice President Joe Biden changed American policy based upon that foreign bribe. If that's true, there is no chance that President Biden can stay in office. Even Democrats would have to agree with that. If a, if a if a former vice president is willing to sell out his country for his personal gain, what would a president do? And right, we've seen with the Bidens that they have sent millions and millions of dollars to every scumbag Biden in their family, except for the four-year-old granddaughter that they don't claim, but every other scumbag Biden gets money. There is no question 
that President Biden is compromised, and I don't see how he finishes out his term. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to stay tuned with what you're working on, I know Boris likes to come in hot on Instagram, but you certainly come in hot on Twitter all day. Where can people follow you and stay up to date with what you're working on? Yeah, thank you, Natalie. It's at Article 3 Project, at Article Number 3 Project on Getter Twitter Truth. My personal is at MRD. D-M-I-A, M-R-D, D-M-I-N, uh, Twitter, Get Her Truth. And if you want to donate, go to article3project.org, article3project.org. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. And thank you, Warren Posse, for joining me. We're just coming up to the end of the show. Don't worry, Steve will be back tomorrow at 10 a.m., but I will be hosting the 6 p.m. show again tomorrow night. But in the meantime, make sure... You head to warroom.org, you sign up for the newsletter and read some of the stories that we're putting out. I'll flag your attention, recently broke a story about what Mark Zuckerberg is up to, not in the last election, not even in 2020, but in this upcoming election, 2024, how he's now buying local election offices, extra and additional office space to store voting machines and mail-in ballots. How nice, how altruistic. Not quite, not necessarily adjectives I'd use to describe Mark Zuckerberg. Like I said, make sure you go to warroom.org. In the meantime, before we're back again tomorrow at 10 a.m., you got Steve running the show. Thank you so much for hanging with me. And as always, have a good one. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code warroom at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. Warroomhealth, all one word, warroomhealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out.